I want you to take your Bibles or your apps, whatever you read on, and today we're gonna be in the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs chapter three. Now, if you're not familiar with where Proverbs is located in the Bible, here's what I would encourage you to do. If you're in a physical Bible, open up to the table of contents. There you're gonna find that the Bible's broken up into two main sections, the Old and the New Testaments. Now, Proverbs is dead center. It's the middle book of the Old Testament. So find Proverbs. It's halfway uh, down the list of the Old Testament books and turn to that page number and go to chapter three. Now, if you're in a... uh, app, pull down the list of the books of the Bible, and you'll find that Proverbs is just over a third of the way down that list. It's right after the book of Psalms. So Proverbs chapter three. Now, Jana and I, my wife and I, have been foster parents for a couple of years, and we've had many babies in and out of our house, and it's been uh, a blessing and a challenge at the same time. But one of the things that if you've ever had a child or maybe you've babysat an infant, one of the things I've always been so impressed by is a child's trust in the parent. You know, one of my kids right now is four years old, and when I pick him up, I can swing him around in circles. I can jump up and down. He loves for me to hold him and run through the house. Um, And despite the insecurity that he should have, you know, I could drop him, I could trip. I'm not a perfect human. There's, There's no way to ensure that I would not accidentally do something, but he doesn't care about that. Uh, An infant, as you hold them in your arms, an infant just places their trust in the adult that's holding them. They don't grab onto the shirt uh, in desperation and fear. They just trust. And today we're going to be looking at a passage that calls us to trust the Lord in a, in a similar way. Now, we're, we're continuing a series called uh, The Church and Culture. And through this series, we're gonna be looking at what it looks like to live as a follower of Christ in a world that's not all that fond of the followers of Christ. And we're gonna do that through looking at uh, biblical examples of men and women who, who exemplify, exemplify their faith uh, and their trust in Jesus. And we're gonna look at the specific instructions in God's word and what they tell us about living our lives for him in today's culture. Um, Now, last week, uh, or the past two weeks, we've looked at how bad the culture was in biblical times. You know, all the way through the Old Testament and through the New Testament, the governments and the culture that the people who wrote this book found themselves in, those cultures were terrible. They were immoral, they were corrupt, they were not godly, they didn't love the Lord. Uh, And so it was one of those kind of perspective opportunities, moments where we take a step back and we say, okay, things may not be going as well as we want them to go in our culture, but they're, despite that, they're not as bad as they were in biblical times. And then we talked about how God's word always trumps our opinions. And then last week, we specifically got into talking about how we're not called to confuse uh, the difference between what we don't like and what God's word actually says. You know, we have a tendency uh, to confuse the two of those things and, and place our, 
our values or place the things that we like or don't like uh, in the same uh, priority level as God's word. And the reality is, is sometimes the things we like or dislike do line up with God's word, but sometimes they don't. And we're gonna kind of dig into that just a little deeper uh, today in today's passage. Today, we're gonna look at what God's word says about trust, because if we're gonna live our lives for God, if we're gonna be followers of Jesus in today's culture, we have to have trust. We've got to be able to trust God and what he says. So take your, your Bibles or your apps, whatever you read on, and turn with me to Proverbs chapter three. This is actually a really famous passage. Many people have it uh, uh, hung in their, their homes, and uh, it's probably, if you're a, a writer or highlighter in your Bible, this is probably highlighted. But Proverbs chapter, chapter three, verses five through eight is what we're gonna read today. So pick up with me, Proverbs three, verse five. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Again, famous passage, but we hear it so often, we, we tend to not actually break it down and think about what it's saying. It, you know, many people see this passage and they see it as an uplifting and encouraging passage, and it absolutely is. But there is very clear, specific instruction in this passage that we're supposed to be paying attention to. So, so let's very quickly take a look at what this actually instructs of us. Verse five, <clears throat> trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. This passage tells us that we're supposed to be trusting in God and nothing else. There, there, is, there is no institution, there is no person, there is no system that we are called to trust more than we're called to trust God. But, but what are we called to trust God with? It says here, trust the Lord with all of your heart. The, the, this was originally written in the Hebrew language and the Hebrew connotation here is that we're supposed to love, uh, supposed to trust God with all of our being, with everything that's within us, our emotions, our thoughts, our physical bodies, our soul and spirit, everything that you can think of that encompasses the being, we're supposed to trust God in that, with that. And so <clears throat> don't lean on your own understanding. The Hebrew uh, connotation here is to like put your weight on something. In other words, if I walked up to a table and I put my arm on it and I leaned against it, that would be what the, the connotation, the understanding here is in this. We're not supposed to place our trust, you know, lean on something, uh, lean on our own understanding. We're supposed to lean, place our, our trust in God alone. Now look with me in verse six, the very next verse. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Uh, this is uh, saying that we're supposed to recognize who our trust is placed in and that 
when we do that, our paths will be straightened. The, the idea here being is that uh, it will be smoothed out, it will be straightened out in, in a spiritual way, in a way of righteousness, in doing good, doing right. Next verse, verse seven. Be not wise in your own eyes. So we're not supposed to think of ourselves as being the wise ones, but if we have wisdom, it's wisdom that comes from God. And so the idea here is uh, we think we're something. You know, everybody who's watching today probably has had moments or generally feels like they're pretty smart and they're pretty wise and they kind of have it together maybe. But that's not what the Bible says we're supposed to be believing or thinking. Our wisdom is not from our own. Our wisdom is from Him. So don't think that we're wise ourselves, but look at the second part of verse seven. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Fear the Lord. And if we do that, that's when we will have wisdom. Proverbs chapter one, the book that we're in, the verse chapter actually says that very thing. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. When we fear God, then wisdom, we can have access to his wisdom. Fear him, not the things of the world. We're not called to be afraid of what's going on in the world around us or to fear humans or human institutions. We're supposed to fear God alone. He's in control. We don't have to be afraid of anything else because we can trust him. So what if we do all of the things that we're talking about here? What if we trust? What if we don't lean on our own understandings? What if we acknowledge him? What if we don't think of ourselves wise? What if we fear the Lord? What's the result? Well, verse eight answers that question. Verse eight says, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. The fact of the matter is, is when we place our whole trust in him and him alone, not fearing the things of this world, not fearing humans or institutions, governments, uh, anything else. When we place our fear in him and trust in him, it will bring healing and refreshment. And let me just take a, a, a sidetrack here for just a moment. Maybe you're watching or listening right now and, and maybe you could use some healing and refreshing. Maybe you're at a place where you really like the idea of being healed and refreshed. And let me just say to you right now, Jesus was and is the son of God and he loves you so much that he came to this earth living a life just like we do, dealing with all the pains, the temptations, the struggles, ultimately at the end of his life, dying on a cross. And by dying on that cross, he paid the price that was needed to forgive you of your sins and rescue you from your sins. You see, the Bible tells us that we are slaves to our sins and that slavery leads to eternal death eternal punishment. But Jesus, after he died on that cross, three days later, he rose from the grave, claiming and proclaiming victory over sin and death. 
And he offers everyone who would believe in him, placing their trust in him, he offers them forgiveness of their sins. And through that forgiveness, we don't have to worry about eternal punishment. We instead can have eternal life with God. And if you want to know more about that, if this healing and refreshing and, and forgiveness of sins, if any of this uh, brings something up inside of you and you want to know more, please reach out to us. There's a link at the bottom of the, uh, or uh, in the post of this video uh, that will take you to our website. It's called a virtual or online connect card. It'll take you to our website, to the contact us page. Fill out that short form and I would love to reach out to you and answer any questions that you may have. So please don't hesitate to reach out and you can do that anytime. Go to our website, click on the contact us page and we would love to answer any questions that you have about Jesus or help you in your next steps in your journey with Jesus. But I think this brings us to the question. You know, the Proverbs 3 tells us to trust to acknowledge him, to not think of ourselves as wise, but instead to, to fear the Lord. You know, it has all this great instruction, but sometimes that's harder to apply to our lives than just, than what it may sound like. And so what do we do when the things of this world, the situations of our lives, what do we do when those things don't seem to be going very well. Uh, what do we do when things aren't going our way or are actually going in a bad direction? Well, this morning I wanna give you uh, four things that I want you to do. Uh, and uh, this is not a step-by-step, -step, you know, uh, you know you, if you do these four things, your life will be uh, great and wonderful. No, 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 this is the foundational kind of beginning level of what to do when your life gets difficult, when things aren't going the way you think they should be going. Uh, so four things. The first one is this, remember who God is. Proverbs chapter three said this, acknowledge him. We remember who God is. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's all-present and unchanging, meaning he, he doesn't change his mind. He doesn't, uh, his, his whim doesn't change like the, the, the going in and out of the sea. He's unchanging. When he says he does something or is going to do something, he is faithful to do it. He's perfect in all all of his ways. He's wise. He's sovereign, meaning he's, he's in control of everything. There's nothing outside of his control. And he is loving. So, so what do we do when things aren't going the way we want or things are going bad? The first thing is acknowledge him, who he is, his characteristics. That, that'll help you place that trust in him. When you recognize, when it sinks in, that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-sovereign, unchanging, perfect, and loving, when, when that sinks in, trust is much easier to place in God. So the first thing, acknowledge who God is. The second thing is pray. We can't expect to get through the difficult times of our lives, the, the ups and the downs, if we're not in connection with God. You know, Philippians chapter four, if you go and read that, 
that chapter, it, it, there's so many amazing things in it. Uh, but if you read chapter four, verses six and seven, it talks about how we're not supposed to worry or be anxious about anything, but instead through, through prayers, through supplication and with thanksgiving, we're supposed to give all of our requests, our concerns to God. And when we do that, Philippians 4 also says that the peace that is beyond all understanding will be given to us through God, through his Holy Spirit. And so pray, spend time communicating, talking, connecting with God. Bring those concerns to him. Talk to him about your frustrations and, and your worries. Give those to him. Which brings me to number three. So we've said acknowledge God, pray. The third one is let go. When we go to the Lord in prayer, like Philippians 4 instructs of us, when we go to him, we're supposed to unload all of that baggage, all those worries and frustrations and the anxiety and, and all of those things. We're supposed to take all of that baggage and unload it onto him. But we as people, because we want to have control innately, we're, we're wired to want to have control. We have a tendency to unload that in prayer, but later on take it back as if we have any control over the situations in our lives. When you give those things to him in prayer, just let go of those things. Give them up. Let him take care of them and do what it calls you to do in that, which is number four. Do what he tells you to do even when it doesn't make sense. Now, there are many situations that we find ourselves in that aren't going the way we want them to go. And some of those situations aren't going the way we want them to go because God has a bigger and better plan for that situation. And we just don't see what that bigger and better plan is. But sometimes things aren't going our way because we've made unwise or flat out sinful decisions. And when we do that, there are effects, there are repercussions to those decisions. And so we have to do what God's word tells us to do. I mean, a, a great example of this is with our finances. You know, many of you right now are probably struggling financially. Maybe you're in a lot of debt or struggling to pay bills. And there are clear instructions as to what we're supposed to do with our finances. And some of those instructions make all the sense in the world. The, you know, the wisdom of, of managing our money wisely and, and uh, practically and things like that. But then there are some things instructed in God's word regarding our finances uh, that tell us that, that are contrary to the, the wisdom of the world. You know, one of those things tells us, Malachi tells us that we're supposed to be giving a tenth of everything that we earn to the church. Um, and that's going to be a, a later message, but we're called to give a tenth of all we have, all we earn to God's work on this earth through his church. It doesn't make sense, but I can attest to you, and I'll tell you, and there's a sermon series coming up later this year where uh, my testimony is that I struggled financially all through college. Um, I had some major difficulties with my finances, but once I started living obediently to God and the wisdom that God's word gives me and tithing, giving 10% of all I own, my finances started to iron themselves out. 
things started working financially. And so the fact of the matter is, is that there are some things in God's word that totally make sense to help us in our situations, but there are some things in God's word that don't make sense from a worldly perspective. Again, Proverbs 3 says, don't lean on your own understanding, trust in the Lord. And so I mentioned last week some passages that may challenge us about the way we live as Americans in today's society, especially in a society that we feel maybe threatened by. And I mentioned three passages, and today I want to actually read those three passages to you. The first one that I gave you last week was 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12, and it says this, and aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. And now working with your hands, that totally makes sense. But we as Americans struggle to live quietly and to mind our own business. But 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12 clearly tells us, instructs us that that's the life of a follower of Christ. Number two, I, I told you that the uh, Bible tells us to submit to the governing authorities that God has placed over us. Uh, Romans 13 and 1 Peter chapter 2 tell us this, but let me give you the passage from 1 Peter chapter 2. It says this, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. Now, you know, in today's United States culture, we are encouraged to push against uh, the politics, the political views, the politicians in the world around us. And there's nothing wrong with um, challenging viewpoints and opinions and things like that, but the Bible's clear in Romans 13 and 1 Peter chapter 2 that whoever the governing authority is over us, whether it be the president or the Congress or the governor or the mayor or a police officer, whoever that may be, we are called black and white. There's no gray area in this, these commands. We are commanded to obey the governing authorities. Now, obviously, we'll, there'll be some discussion later on in this sermon series about what about when the government calls you to disobey God? I already talked about that last week with Daniel. So, so if you've got questions about that, go back to last week's message. But our government is not calling us to disobey God's word. And so we are subject. We're to submit to those governing authorities. Lastly, I gave you last week a passage from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Um, and this passage it kind of hits us hard. So listen to what it says. It says, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that, you, that is in you. Yet, 
When you give this reason, do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. You see, we are called, if you look at other places in God's word, we're guaranteed persecution. Jesus himself said that if you follow me, those around will persecute you. It's part of being the follower of Christ. We will suffer as his followers. But Peter, here in 1 Peter chapter 3, very clearly tells us, be willing to suffer for righteousness for God. But when you are approached and you're asked for the reason, for the hope that you have inside of you, you are to defend that hope, that belief in God. You're to defend that in gentleness, with gentleness and with respect. The fact of the matter is, is we're not called to fight people. Those who don't know God, we're not supposed to get in fights with them. We're supposed to, with gentleness and respect, defend our beliefs, our faith, and live in righteousness so that no one can slander us. And even if they try to slander us, they look like fools because we've lived righteous lives, good lives, under God's authority. I'm not gonna lie, these are challenging passages. But they are the passages, and there are many more that we will look at in the next coming weeks. These are the types of passages that instruct us how to live in a culture that doesn't quite like the followers of Jesus. But I think the key today is that we trust in the Lord. That's what matters most. If you don't hear anything, listen to the first words of Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord. Trust him. He is worthy of your trust. This world can be scary. It can seem like things are going off the rails sometimes. But remember that God is in control and he knows what he's doing. Even when you don't understand it, he does. Will you trust him enough to let go of all the anxieties, the, the worries, the, the concerns, and the, the control that we want to have. Let go of those things and live in the life that he calls you to live, even if the instructions that he gives you seems contrary to what makes sense to you. Again, trust in the Lord and with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for today and we thank you that you are trustworthy, that because of who you are, because of your perfection, we can place our trust in you. And so Lord, we pray that you would help us in doing that, that you would help us to trust in you with all of our heart and not lean on what we think makes sense or in our, on our own understanding, but instead we would trust you and what your word instructs of us. Help us to live quiet, reverent lives. Help us to submit. Help us to love one another and love those around us. Help us to be willing to suffer knowing that Jesus has guaranteed that persecution will come our way. And help us 
to, to be the people that, that, that places trust in you. Help us to remember who you are, to pray, to let go, and to do what you tell us to do. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.